Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zinn. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Jenny Carreri never lost her drive to find the killer of her twin sister, Jody Lacornu. The sisters shared a bond that began in their mother's womb. Twins, born two minutes apart. Jenny came up with a unique way to generate nude leads in this cold case. A larger-than-life billboard with Jody's photograph and a stark, succinct, unmistakable message. The billboard gives Jenny hope, but also feelings of frustration. The murder remains unsolved after 22 years. Lots of mixed emotions over the years, you know, sadness, frustration, anger. Jenny says she knows the first face her sister saw when she was born. She wants to know the last face she saw when she died. You're hearing our friend David Collins at WBAL NBC 11. What happened to this beautiful, beautiful girl? And now a woman inspired by the Oscar winning film, Three Billboards, puts up a huge plea offering $100,000 reward to try and find out who murdered her 
twin sister. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. And with me, the sister, the twin sister of Jody LaCornu, Jenny LaCornu Carreri, her twin sister. Also with me, Director of the Cold Case Research Institute, Cheryl McCollum. Jenny, let me just start by saying, I watched three billboards. I waited until I was on a plane because I didn't want my twins to see it or know anything about it. I mean, just last night I broke the news to them about who Hitler is, and Lucy burst into tears and John David had bad dreams, and I tried to put it as mildly as I could. And I just knew they could not take three billboards, so I watched it on a flight to L.A. for Hallmark, and it left me so distraught. and upset. I mean, it was a wonderful movie, but I know the movie is inspired by a real story. So I couldn't just watch. I'm giving chill bumps right now, Jenny. I couldn't just watch the movie as a crime victim. I knew the suffering that these people went through. And now I'm meeting you. And I want to hear your story. Your story, Jenny, starting with the time you discovered your twin sister, Jody was murdered. Thank you, and I'm very grateful you having sharing Jody's story. And we were 23; we were identical twins, two minutes apart. We were 23, and she was shot on my parents' wedding anniversary. She was living in Towson. It was March 2nd, 1996. We were not living together at the time. She was living with her boyfriend, and I was engaged in living out west. But we were still, you know, we were inseparable growing up, but we still, you know, that's when they had the landline phone. We still talked on the phone every day and would rack up credit card bills to come visit each other. And um, so she and her boyfriend had gotten into a fight the Thursday night. Uh, I apologize. It was Friday morning that they got into a fight. Hold on, Jenny. I just want to say something. Cheryl McCollum, you have your two beautiful, beautiful children, and you told me the way it was going to be when I had the twins. You know, I want to be the closest one in the world to them. Mm -hmm. I want it to be me, Mm -hmm. but I've had to accept it's each other. I mean, you have boy-girl. I have boy-girl twins. They have their own ways of communicating In fact, my favorite picture I've showed you, Cheryl, is of them immediately after their birth. And they're curled up together, facing each other Mm -hmm. in the hospital. And he's holding her with his two hands, and she is sucking his nose. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yes, and that is my favorite. I've got so many favorite pictures. Why am I saying that's my favorite picture? But, I mean, they... I was listening to Jenny. She was two minutes apart from Jody. Yeah. The twins mm-hmm. were one minute apart. Mm. Oh, wow. And, I mean, you, you, you can't deny that bond between twins, Cheryl. No. You cannot deny it. Because I tell you, as close as Huck and Caroline are, and they even have their own language when they were smaller. And only, Caroline would only really talk to Huck, and he would translate for her. So, um, and I know twins have their own language and telepathy and everything else. And, you know, the person that literally starts life with you, like Jenny said about Jody, that was her best friend. That was her lifelong, you know, best friend. And that's how it was going to be. And I have to tell you, 
the way she is fighting for justice for her, she's still Jody's best friend. Oh. You know, Jenny, I just I just had to to weigh in on the closeness between siblings, especially twins and Oh yeah. Okay. Definitely. Sorry to throw you off. No. Guys, for those of you just joining us, Jenny LaCornu Carrieri is with me. Her sister, then twenty three year old, Townsend University student, Jody, was murdered. So that evening, what happened in your life, Jenny? Well, in my life, so I was, we, I got the, I tried to call her on the Saturday morning. So she had gone to work that day and, and her boyfriend told her not to come home. And so I got, it was Saturday morning, you know, she got shot in the middle of the night. It was the wee hours of Saturday. And so I, my, my parents called my fiance and had him come tell me because they didn't want me to be by myself. And I remember I had tried to call her and I couldn't get a hold of her. And I just, I had a weird feeling, but nothing. I mean, you never think something as horrible as this, you know? And so, um, I mean, I remember clearly having these little, um, you know, my green flannel pajamas and I mean, I'll never forget it, but you know, I just, I went numb in shock. I mean, he just walked in and said, Jody's dead. And, and just how to even feel that, understand it. It's, it's just, it, it, I mean, that's something that you see on in a movie or, you know, somebody being shot and, um, you know, he said she was shot in, in the parking lot or I, I can't remember the exact one. I mean, the, the one thing I remember is Jody's dead. And, um, I mean, from then on, it was just complete, just going through the motions and just getting, getting back home to, to my family. And, um, you know, I, I mean, just for years, I mean, I just couldn't, I couldn't cope. I mean, it's, it's truly been in the last couple of years that I feel like I've really started to deal with her death because I, I just, I couldn't, you know. Well, I've got to tell you something and uh, I don't know that this is good or bad, but I've never been able to bring myself to go to where my fiance was murdered. Yeah. I don't have any desire because it will destroy me and I will be out of it for I don't know how long, and I don't want to go into a depression because of the twins, especially. They they don't need that. Guys, for those of you just joining us, 23-year-old Jody LaCornu was shot in the back while she was seated in her car at the Drumcastle Shopping Center uh, off York Road. After being shot, she managed to drive across York Road to another shopping center, and it is there that she died. Joining me, in addition to her twin sister, Jenny, is director of the Cold Case Research Institute, Cheryl McCollum. Cheryl, explain to me the dynamics of that night when Jody was murdered. She had been told by her living boyfriend not to come home. They had had a fight. So she goes on to work. Whoa, whoa, wait, after- right. Why did he tell her not to come home? Why, why didn't she tell him not to come home? That's a question I had for Jenny as well. I don't understand that, but he did. He yeah, explain her. that, Jenny, before we go one inch further. Okay. Where does he get the power to tell her not to come home? Right. He was a lot older than she was, and 
she liked to go to the local tavern and be with her friends. So that was what he was angry at is the night before he found out she had gone to the tavern and he didn't want her there. He wanted her to be home. Wow. Wow. Okay. I still don't understand the power dynamic of him getting to tell her you don't come home and she's left out in the cold and not him, but that's a whole nother can of worms. Pick it up, Cheryl McCollum. So she goes to the tavern and she stays with coworkers and they stay until closing. There is a worker at the tavern that needs a ride home. So Jody gives this man a ride to his house. He doesn't drive, so she takes him. And Jennifer will tell you that's uncharacteristic of her. She normally wouldn't do anything like that, but on this night she does. Then she makes a call back to the tavern. We don't know why or who she spoke to. Then from there, she goes to a liquor store where she buys a six-pack of beer. From there, she drives to the parking lot of this little strip mall, and she parks her car, and she makes several other phone calls. One is to a best friend who did not answer the phone, but her boyfriend did, and they talked for a few minutes, but she made other calls that were not privy to who they were to. But well, wait what, a minute. When you say she's parked in her car, so she's making cell phone calls? Correct. Okay, go ahead. But what sticks out to me, Nancy, is there are very few people that I can call at 3 in the morning just to chit-chat. <laughs> I mean, if, if my phone rings at 3, somebody's in major trouble. Somebody's in the hospital. Somebody's in jail. I mean, there's a reason you're calling me at 3. But she made several calls. Um, and, of course, the police have not released who all the calls were to. Um, and that's one of those things that I think the family might even be able to help them with if they would disclose that. But she made lots of calls sitting there. As she's sitting in this parking lot, this gentleman approaches her. Jody's driver's window is down. So she either rolled the window down to talk to this person or it was already down for whatever reason. But it was snowing that night, so I can't imagine she's sitting there just, you know, with the window down in the snow. There are six witnesses that see her. There's a, a restaurant across the street that's getting a delivery, and there's other people around that are doing jobs. They're watching this. They have some exchange at the driver's window. All of a sudden, one gunshot rings out, and Jody is able to drive her vehicle out of the parking lot, across an intersection of York Road, into another parking area where the witnesses are at. And there's like a little embankment where the, the drive goes up, and she pulls into another parking lot of a tire store. The shooter gets in his car, drives and follows her, gets out, goes inside the driver's window. The witnesses say he took something. They couldn't tell what it was, but he removed something from her car gets back into his car, and hightails it out of there, truck left. He put her car in park. He, he put her car in park. They do that. believe he put her car in park, yeah. Okay, this is what I don't understand, Cheryl, with at least six witnesses, why no one can identify the shooter. Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, Jennifer Carreri has put up a billboard 
in the hopes it will reach people who do not see the news or TV. It's a red billboard, and on it, there's a photo of a stunning young woman. It's her twin sister, Jody LeCornu, and it reads, Find My Killer, offering a $100,000 reward. The tip line, 410-887-2222, 410-887-2222. That's Baltimore County Police Department. Or you can go to Justice for Jody with the number 4, justice4jody.com. Years of anguish has led her twin sister, Jennifer, to take this major step in trying to solve the case. What do we know? Listen. Less than a mile away from where her sister took her final breath, Jenny Carreri is ready to try something big. This is your first time seeing where the billboard's going to be? Yes, I've seen it online. That's the first time. It's, 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 like, it's exciting. For months, Carreri has been working with Maryland's Metro Crime Stoppers for perfect placement for this, what will be a billboard asking for help finding a killer. Jenny's identical twin sister, Jody LaCornu, was shot and killed down the street on March 2nd, 1996. I just feel that there's people that know something, and I feel that this being out there on York Road... It just will get so much more exposure. More exposure on a case well-known by Baltimore County Police. You're hearing our friends at WMAR-ABC2. That was reporter Skylar Henry. To Jenny LaCornia Carreri, this is Jody's sister. What can you tell me about the boyfriend? Did he own a gun? I did not know of him to own a gun, no. I, I was unaware that he, if he did or not. What did he do for a living? He was a teacher at a, a private school in Baltimore. And what was his demeanor following your twin sister's death? Very sad and very clingy to me. You know, I, I'm just curious. I'm very curious about who she was with that evening. And uh, obviously, no one she could go home with. She was out in a parking lot, sitting there, banished from her apartment by her boyfriend, just sitting there with a six-pack, I guess, planning to sit the night out in the car at a shopping center where apparently Cheryl McCollum, she felt very comfortable in that spot. I mean, Cheryl, have you ever, for whatever reason, just gone and parked your car and just sat there and thought? No. I have. No. Plenty of times. Plenty of times. Just sat there and thought. Thought. Or um, I made phone calls or I worked on something just to be alone and just think. Uh, as a matter of fact, Cheryl, you and I were working on a cold case murder yesterday. Right. And after we left the homicide cold case division, I had a ton of stuff to do. But I ended up going to the twin school early. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I thought about that crime victim and all the various scenarios about how her murder could have gone down, like trying to put together a Rubik's Cube over and over. By the time I looked up, over 30 minutes had passed. Right. And I, I, I just was thinking, and I'm wondering, Jenny, what was she thinking about as she sat in that car? Well, for her, she had terrible anxiety and was literally afraid of her own closet. So for her, at a young age, at that time, for her to go sit in a dark parking lot was very uncharacteristic 
I mean, that just wasn't something that she would do. And and it was snowing that night. She was afraid to drive in the snow. I mean, she's afraid of everything. So why she wouldn't have maybe just even just gone home, even though we told her not to, or or she had lots of friends, why she wouldn't have gone to somebody's house is just very odd to us that for her to just everything she did that night, I mean, she had a heart of gold. She would do anything for anyone, but to drive the employee home that she didn't know he was the janitor. Um, it, it just, it's just not her that night to, to be doing what she did. Another interesting fact to Cheryl McCollum. We know that after Jody is shot and I find it very probative that she's shot in the back. How was she shot in the back? If the guy, the killer was standing at her driver's window. I believe she was, and I think I can prove that she was driving away from him. So for whatever reason, something happened. He either said something or he brandished a weapon because witnesses say he's standing at the driver's window. She is actually shot through the driver's seat. So he's now behind her a little bit. When the bullet enters, it actually enters left to right side at a downward angle. So again, if she starts to drive off and he just pulls the gun up, it's going to be left. Wait to a right. minute. The car, was it a, a, a four door? It was the back window shattered. Yes. Okay. So it went yes, through the that, back window. That. Okay. Now I understand much better. I thought he shot through the driver's window and I was trying to positionally figure out how she got shot in the back right. if he was at the driver's window and I assume right. she was reaching over to the passenger side. Now I understand she was driving away. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Jennifer Carreri has put up a billboard, and on it is her twin sister, Jody LaCornu, and it reads, Find My Killer. 23-year-old Jody LaCornu was shot in the back while she was seated in her car at the Drumcastle Shopping Center. After being shot, she managed to drive across York Road to another shopping center, and we also know that... After she's shot and drives across the street, her car circles and stops at a curb. The man, we think the killer, watched from his vehicle. He had a vehicle until it rolled to a stop between a Boston chicken and a Firestone tire. And he then approached the car, leaned over her, put it in park, grabbed something from next to her on the seat. Then the killer drives off. Is the killer the one doing all of that, Cheryl? Yes. He's false. Well, nobody can identify his car. They know it's a white BMW. They know a white BMW. See, that's new information to me right there. White BMW. They not only have the six witnesses, they have videotape. They have a description of him wearing a camouflage jacket. He's stocky. He's about five six, about two hundred pounds. They know. They know the description. I don't understand why. Why this has not been solved. Take a listen to our friend at 
JZ, CBS 13. This is Devin Bartolotta. The nightmare for Jody began after a night out at the Washington Tavern in the early morning hours of March 2nd, 1996, just steps from the city county line. Police believe Jody was shot while sitting in her car in this parking lot. She then drove across the street to York Road Plaza. Her killer followed her and then reached into the car. Witnesses described the shooter as a black male with a stocky build wearing a camouflage jacket, but nearly 23 years later, no one knows what he took from inside Jody's car. He took off south on York Road in a white BMW. Years after leads ran dry, maybe money will talk. You know, to you, Jenny, Jenny LaCornu Carreri, this is Jody's twin sister. What do you believe he took from her car? Well, they always, the police always told us that something was taken from her car, but wouldn't tell us what it was. But then they would say her purse was missing. And then Cheryl and I just learned in the last couple of weeks that her phone my parents had bought her one of those bag phones because they were worried about her living in Baltimore. And so now we learn that her phone and her purse were not there. So that's a lot for him to take. What is a bag phone? Nancy, you the old cell phones that were literally in a bag? Like they were in a little big. big, they're big. Oh, my goodness. A, like a big? Yeah. Everybody in the studio is acting it out and gesticulating. A big phone about the size of a what? Almost like a little lunch cooper. Like a little bag, like a purse. That's pretty good size. Okay. All right. So she had one of those. So that's missing. And her pocketbook is missing. What? They they couldn't trace any of that? Exactly. None of her credit cards were ever, or credit cards ever used, Jenny? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they there's very limited information that we've gotten. And where she ended up, there was camera. There, They did obtain video, but... Where she ended up in a giant parking lot, they told us the cameras happened to be down that night. Okay, this is just, Cheryl, this is just so wrong. I don't know if her credit cards were used, her ATMs were used, any of her checks were forged. I don't know if they tried to trace her cell phone. I don't know any of those answers. Why aren't police releasing any of that? You know, the, the Boy Scouts could have solved her case. I mean, seriously, the way that I've seen in the years everything that I've done looking into their investigation and Baltimore County brags about their clearance rate. They have missed so much. They have told me they've interviewed people. They haven't, they've contradicted, they've been inappropriate. They've been disrespectful. They've been horrible. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean inappropriate and disrespectful? Um, the, the detective, my communication with him, um, I mean, has he's been inappropriate and him and his bosses, I mean, they've been, I mean, I had their lawyer slam the door. I had a lawsuit trying to get records. Their lawyer slammed the door in my face. They they talked down to me. Um, it's been horrible. It's been a nightmare. When you say inappropriate, what do you mean by that? Um, so, well, I mean, if you want me to give you some of the comments, the, the detective that's been on the case since day one shared with me about having a relationship with a sister of a suspect and how he was separated from his wife. Um, just sharing things that, I don't need to know. Wow. Okay, Cheryl, I, I don't understand what's going on within the PD, the police department here, and why are they shutting her out? Why is she, why is Jeannie LaCornia Carreri having to take out a billboard to try to get her sister's murder solved, Cheryl? Nancy, it's worse than that. It's worse than that. She literally had to sue the police department to find out how her sister died. They would refuse to show her the autopsy report. They refused to tell her who they talked to, who her sister called, anything related to this case. She's never seen one shred of paper 
one tidbit of information from the police department. And I told her I've never known of a homicide case where the family was not told the manner of death, exactly what happened to her. You know, I'm trying to figure out uh, how your lawsuit can get answers to Jeannie LaCornu Carreri. This is Jody's sister. What has become of the lawsuit? Where does it stand now? So, well, I mean, just to tell you, my family has put in almost $30,000 in trying to get her records, and we've done seven billboards total. I've done a, one. I did a plea to the governor. I did one to the state's attorney. Um, and where it stands is we were unable to get anything. Um, and so with, with the lawsuit, and I have a pro bono law firm that's come forward to help me that's Basically, what the lawsuit was, they wanted me there. There, we were. It was clear we weren't getting anywhere. And, and my attorney, they basically came up with a, with a confidential agreement, which basically was nothing. That I shut up, and they're going to be working on the case again. I can't really get into the specifics, but that's the gist of it. Um, and so, I'm. We're still where we were 23 years ago. That's the bottom line. Is it's put me and my family through hell, and they're still sitting on their asses, apologize, <laughs> um, and it, it's it's like they don't want to solve her case, and, and why, I don't know, um, you know, I'm trying everything I can to keep, continue to keep her story out there, to, you know, I've met with the governor's office, I've gone to the county executive's office, everybody says they're going to help me, nobody does, um, I can't talk to the police directly because of the lawsuit, which ended a couple years ago, and they want me, you know, I'm supposed to be talking to their attorney, the one that screamed at me and slammed the door in my face because I asked a question. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible. I don't understand it. To Cheryl McCollum, director of the Cold Case Research Institute, what is this, Baltimore County PD? What, what jurisdiction is this? And are they that angry? Jenny wants answers? I've never seen anything like it, Nancy. Um, I've contacted the detective myself. I told him I had just 13 questions. He said, send them. I'll get them to our PIO and I'll answer them. She wouldn't answer any of them. And some were very simple. Was her purse taken from the car? Because I think we can prove that it was. They never gave it back to her. Um, the phone is missing. So obviously those are the two things she grabbed. I mean, the, here's what's astonishing to me, that you get to the point with a victim of crime that they have to sue you for something as simple as the autopsy report. Anybody that wants an autopsy report can go down and get it. The manner of death in Jody's case, would not hinder this investigation at all. It's not like a crime scene where there's some specific signature that they're trying to keep from the public because um, it's part of who this person is and they know there's other cases like it. They um, have refused to answer simple questions like Jennifer didn't even know she was shot in the back. She assumed it, but there's one crime scene photograph they released and I showed her. I said, well, honey, there's... 20 years later. I said, there's a bullet hole right there in the back of the driver's seat. I said, I can tell you she was shot in the back. And I said, what probably happened is it either nicked a lung or her heart. It might have ricocheted a little bit. She had internal bleeding. But if you can't breathe, you die. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. A woman inspired by the Oscar-winning film, Three Billboards, puts up a huge plea offering $100,000 reward 
to try and find out who murdered her twin sister. With me, Jenny LaCornue Carreri. In these years that have passed since Jody was murdered, they've got surveillance video, although they say that snow that evening interfered with them being able to see anything. They've got an ID on the car, an ID on the perp. Uh, Who knows what else they've got? I mean, if he reached into the car, did they get a fingerprint? Did he touch anything when he... They do have fingerprints. They They have have fingerprints. Uh, Has it been sent to APHIS? I mean, you know, the, the national... They left the kid in the car. They actually left the fingerprinting kid in the car when they returned it to my parents. Which means that somewhere... Yeah. It, it, you know what, Cheryl McCollum? It's very hard for me to believe that this guy went from zero to 120 MPH in one night. What does that say to me? That means he's got a record somewhere. I'd be curious, as the fingerprints, were they able to get fingerprints? And were they plugged into APHIS, the, the National Data Bank of Fingerprints? But... Question to you, in the years that have passed since Jody was murdered, Jenny, how has Jody's murder affected you? You know, I think I was just so numb for so long, and um, I it's I couldn't, wouldn't let myself feel. I just, I, I literally had to just shut it all down. It was, it was so incredibly painful, and um, I mean, I was horribly anxious and depressed. And I mean, I couldn't even be alone. And, you know, I moved back home and um, I I couldn't even be alone. I was 23 and I couldn't be alone in a room. I would sleep with my mother. I was just terrified for years. Well, you know what, Jenny, I used to sleep with my mom and dad after Keith was murdered. Yeah, They would let me get in between them. And I don't know how long I did that because I just could not get through the night so many nights. And I do not think that is uncommon. Jenny, these years have passed without Jody. Birthdays, Christmases, weddings. How has her murder and the fact her case has never been solved affected you as your life moves forward? <laughs> like I said, I, I couldn't deal with it for the longest time, but um, I feel literally like part of me died that day. I mean, it's like you're living one life and then... It's another life. I mean, for years, I feel like I'm just going through the motions. I, I ended up getting married. I, I didn't want to have a wedding because it was just too sad. So my husband and I eloped. You know, then my father. I wanted to also mention he was a prosecutor. He prosecuted drug and violent crime cases. And my grandfather was many years in the FBI under J. Edgar Hoover. So I mean, we have definitely a history of um, service. And um, so, um, but my father became very ill. Um, after Jody died and with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So it was like just another really, really horrible time taking care of him. And, and, and it's literally been like in the last couple of years, really like feeling her, her death. And, and people would be so worried about me because I couldn't, they'd be like, you're not dealing with this. And um, it, it's been hard. I mean, I've, you talk about depression. I mean, I've, I've gotten really low. I mean, I've been extremely depressed, extremely anxious, wanted to die. I mean, it's caused horrible battles in my marriage. Uh, I mean, with my fight for justice and, and um, you know, I suffer with a terrible eating disorder and that just is horrible. Like, um, you know, the anxiety and it, it just, it's like, I, I can't cope sometimes. And, you know, it's like some days I'm like, just like going through the motions, you know, and Jody always loved bunnies. And, and it's like every once in a while I'll see a bunny rabbit and I feel like it's her, 
um, like sending me a sign or something um, because I have really, really struggled, like I said, with the depression and like trying to want to keep going, you know, and, um, you know, I have three children, so it's, it's really hard and, and I, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's been really hard. I mean, day to day, my husband, like I said, he, he's been supportive, but I really like have done a lot of things with her case interviews and things. And, um, then I feel like I feel guilty with my family. Like I'm not giving them me, you know what I mean? I well, mean, I don't know if this would help in any way, but Cheryl McCollum, victims of violent crime, many of them go through this. They have a death wish. They don't want to live. Trust me. I understand what you're saying. Every word of what you're saying. You have been quoted in the past, Jenny, as saying that you believe this case can be solved. Cheryl McCollum, agree or disagree? Absolutely agree. No question about it. And this person who did it told people, you know as well as I do, they would mention it, they would brag about it. This person's been in and out of jail. Other people know this story from the shooter. And what you know, Jennifer's doing is so amazing. And I want to brag on her one second. As you know, Nancy, I have four sisters, um, extraordinarily close to all four of them. You have a sister that you're extraordinarily close to. And I know after Keith's murder, you went even and stayed with her, and she helped you get through that awful time. I went to Baltimore to walk the crime scene, and Jennifer met me there because, you know, I'm visual. I want to see it and understand it. And we go into this little coffee shop. Now, keep in mind, she's got these billboards up. She's doing major, you know, media. She's doing Nancy Gray. She's working with Lester Holt, different people. She goes into the coffee shop, cute girl behind the counter, and she says, hey, have you seen my sister's billboard? Please, on your break, go look at it. Nancy, it took all I could do not to start literally crying in that coffee shop thinking, here, this poor woman is literally going person to person to person. Forget the Nancy Graces and the Lester Holtz and the billboards. She is going to people individually to try to make sure they know about Jody and what happened to her. And that just said so much to me about her heart and the reason she's really doing this and the power in that sister bond that you just cannot deny. So I wanted to say that about her. And I also wanted to say personally, again, to you and Lee Egan, um, Nancy, what y'all are doing and what you've already done for her, um, I will tell you that there has been a small victory. Um, Jennifer, you want to tell her yes. what you were able to get, Simon? Thank you. We did just get the autopsy report. Thanks to you guys. You've really just moved me to tears because, you know, I don't know what world it is that it is a victory that you get your sister's autopsy report. Mm. But the reality is it is a victory. Guys, if you can help us, please call 1-866-756-2587. Please help us catch this beautiful young girl, Jodie LaCordieu's killer. Please give her twin sister, Jenny, some peace. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zinn. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.